All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Mosaic Station. This is the first in our series that we're going to be doing called Movies with Mosaic, uh, title pending. Um, we uh, are going to be watching Black Panther today. Uh, it's available on Disney Plus um, if you have Disney Plus. Uh, otherwise, if you have home video or if you have, I don't know, some other way of watching it, um, go sign in right now and we'll do quick intros to see who's on the uh, channel today. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Tyrell. Uh, he, him, his. Hi, my name is Cheyenne. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Hi, my name is Olivia. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Hey. Uh, hello. Yes, it's me, Danny. Mm-hmm. They, them pronouns. What's good? What's up, y'all? It's Jazz. She, her, hers. Hi, everyone. It's Sharon. Uh, pronouns are she, her, hers. And this is Chris. Pronouns are he, him, his. Um, so we're going to be watching Black Panther. As I said, hopefully you took that time to queue up your thing. Um, we're going to be talking through this as well. So, um, hopefully you are listening to this commentary as we all watch together. Um, so everybody is queued up. Yes. 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 Yeah. Awesome. So on whatever device you are on, um, make sure to hit play when I say go one, two, three, go. Did, did everyone's movie start? Yeah. Okay. So we're starting off with this story of home. Yes? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here we go. We are watching Black Panther. This is um, um, part of the MCU. Um, and we are now watching the history of Wakanda, um, a country in Africa um, that has... Uh, was hit by a meteorite meteorite um, that had a special metal called vibranium. <clears throat> and um, right now we are watching the panther goddess Bast um, give the heart-shaped herb uh, to the first king of Wakanda and the first black panther. So um, how many people watch this movie in the theaters? I did. I, did. I only watched it once. So. Um, I watched it in the theaters. Yeah. Any thoughts about watching it in the theaters? Uh, it was hella cool, you know. Um, I know for Black people, especially, it was like a big event. So, like, everybody was going out multiple times going to see the movie. Um, mm-hmm. It was really cool, like, seeing hello Black people on the screen like that, seeing superheroes and stuff, so. Yeah, uh, for me, I watched it a couple, I think almost like a month after it came out in theaters, but I did go see it in the theaters, but it was just like all sold out (laughs) for the first few weeks that this movie came out, uh, which was super exciting. Um, 
But it was really interesting because since I hadn't watched it, um, there were so many articles about it. And it was like, ah, I can't read anything right now. Totally. Totally. So we're, we are now in Oakland. Sorry, we missed the title screen. Um, but we are now in Oakland in 1992. Um, I watched this movie in Oakland on opening weekend. And it was... It was a pack theater. It was the Grand Lake Theater, if you've ever been. It's like kind of an old school theater, like still old school decorations and stuff. Like you would like, you know, like an opera house. And it was awesome. It was like packed. It was totally full. Um, I don't know exactly how many folks are there. I would guess probably 90, 95% were black. And like when Oakland popped up on screen, like the word Oakland, the theater lost it. Like, <laughs> it was they were cheering, they were like whooping. It was so awesome. This was like such a great movie to watch in theater. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um I watched it freshman year and one of the first things that came out for the movie was the soundtrack, which was um it was the Black Panther album music from and inspired by and it was curated by Kendrick Lamar and it had SZA and a whole lot of other people like um, Khalid, Swaley, Schoolboy Q, Anderson mm-hmm. Pack, like a whole bunch of people on there, Travis Scott. And so freshman year, that's what really got me pumped when the album dropped. Mm-hmm. And even though not a lot of the songs were featured in it, um, yeah, that got me really excited to watch it. So we, we see here the, um, the uh, I forgot what they're called, the, the, the um, Majid warriors. I, I can't. That's probably not right. But they're speaking. Uh, uh, I can't pronounce it either because I can't do the clicks. But they're speaking a language called Yosa. Uh, oh, nope, I can't do the clicks. Uh, but it's a real. It's a real African language, um, which is like incredible that they, like, I saw. I saw. I remember seeing Doctor Strange and then this movie and like really hating Doctor Strange afterwards and being like, that movie had no Asian culture in it whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> Doctor Strange was weird. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what it was about that movie that just like made me feel unsettled. Yeah, <laughs> they they whitewashed that movie a yeah. lot. Yeah. So we are now watching King, uh, um, not T'Challa, but his father. Who, I can't remember. I should have done some research before we did this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually watched the first um, Thor the other day, and I think when I watched Black Panther, I didn't remember who Usili Grant was, and then he like popped up in that movie, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is hella long ago." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, so this is, this is um, yes, thank you, thank you, T'Chaka. Um, so these are all mainstays in the Marvel universe. Um, uh, U- Ulysses Claw is a uh, uh, a villain, a, 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 a Sonic villain named Claw, um, and uh, it's a uh, fitting for vibranium, which in the comic book universe absorbs sonic frequencies and absorbs sonic waves. So they're kind of like opposites, like one shoots sonic waves and the other uses metal that absorbs sonic waves. Mm. So. Mm. 
Let me see here. Folks leaving the uh, apartment building in uh, giant flying ships, which in 1992 in Oakland would have been very strange to see. Well, it would have been strange to see today in Oakland. <laughs> yeah. Um, or yeah. anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and we're at the Marvel title card now. This is the title card Um. So yeah, Black Panther was a character that's been around in the Marvel Universe for quite a while. Um, it kind of came about um, during a time in the 70s when there was a lot of uh, black exploitation in pop culture. Um, there was like there were movies that were really leaned into it, like Blackula and um, um, uh, I'm gonna get you sucker and moves like that, movies like that. Um, and then there were also characters in comic books that were created: Black Lightning, Black Panther. Um, that were uh, that really leaned heavily into like black identity. Um, and what's interesting about black exploitation is that we look at it now as like this kind of weird exploitation of black culture by white folks. But at the time, um, it was like fully like not fully, but it was very much embraced by black folks because it was like, it was the complete reverse of what you had seen before, which was no black folks on TV and in comic books and pop culture and stuff. And then all of a sudden there were all these like black folks popping up and they were superheroes and they were, you know, cops and they were, um, you know, like adventurers, detectives, all these things. And it, it was kind of a weird, like, like shift, you know? <laughs> I love her. <laughs> yeah, Okoye, uh, very sassy, very awesome. I love like don't freeze when you see her. It's like it humanizes and like it shows how awkward T'Challa is. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, he's a. Uh... You know, he, he comes from this vein of, like, royal heroes, you know? It's like, he's never right. really been a normal person. Even before he was Black Panther, he was always the crown prince, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. But the fact that, like, he's still, like, this awkward dude, like, you know, you see his sister making fun of him, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like... Yeah. <laughs> and so we have... Uh, him now taking on poachers. I thought it was like human traffickers. I think it's human traffickers. I think you're right. Um, yeah. So this, um, aside from the Avengers movies, which... I mean, it's obviously the number one um, uh, grossing film in MCU because it just involves everyone. This is the number one grossing film in the MCU. Um, again, outside of the Avengers. Um, it, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a reflection on what happens when, um, uh, when we use uh, culture in a way that makes stories accessible. Um, 
them. I don't know if anybody wants to talk about the meaningfulness of uh, of uh, watching Black Panther and have it reflect something other than European culture. I know, Kenny, you brought it up a little bit. Um, I don't know. Just like seeing... I watched a, a documentary a couple of days ago on Netflix about uh, Black film, and they did a segment on Black Panther. And it was just like, you finally get to see like black people and their culture and like their society being superior or we're actually smart or like you know like our science is ahead or like our defense is ahead so it's like it was really cool like i don't know just seeing us in a different light being like so mm-hmm. traditional as you can see like further in the film like their culture is like very traditional but also like very progressive at like you know technology and such Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I feel like a lot, like most movies, if there's like people of color of them, especially like big Hollywood movies, they're like supporting characters or like they're not like the main character and they're definitely not like the like most of the cast. So that's why I think this movie is just like amazing in itself how like um, how it came to theaters and like how much of a celebration came around it because it's like almost no zero like white people in this movie i can't even remember like if there is like there's probably like a few of them right like one yeah or two. i can't remember yeah so there's ulysses claw and then eventually there's um the uh liaison the the um martin freeman character yeah uh, the fbi dude yeah the fbi dude <laughs> Yeah, I think, um, I mean, what's really cool about Black Panther is that the storyline of Wakanda is, you know, it falls in this category of Afrofuturism, but it also, like, talks about, like, what an Africa would be like if it was never colonized, you know? Like, Wakanda managed to stay hidden from the outside world and developed its own kind of culture you know kind of a pan-african culture but also its own distinct practices and um and kind of cultural touch points without the influence of european settlers um Mm -hmm. and and really kind of this idealized like what would have been you know and uh the fact that they can now you know throughout the course of the movie um they get to determine their own kind of colonization on their own terms um, not colonization, but, you know, interaction with the, the outside world on their own terms. Yeah, that's what I really liked about this movie. Like, I don't know, like, when it first came out, wait, you guys can hear me, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, like, when it came out, like, I was honestly, okay, like, I know y'all are, like, fans of Marvel, but I wasn't really a fan until, like, I saw this movie just because um, most of the um, heroes are, like, you know, white rich guys you know so it wasn't really interesting but when i saw this movie i was just like just fanning over it the first time i saw it it was like oh my god like i turned to whoever i was watching it with and i was like you know it's something different finally something where like you know um a black person isn't like the secondary character or like the sidekick Mm -hmm. in a movie like they're like in the entire movie and not just snapshots or anything, you know? 
and mm-hmm. like or right. seen as like the villain they're finally the hero you know and i was mm-hmm. so excited because we really needed a movie like this but yeah yeah definitely <laughs> yeah i think the 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 cultural relevance is really important but just mm-hmm. the timing of it as well um you know i think as much as we can you know chalk up marvel to a corporation um right and how much like black panther uh you know does give into capitalism i do think that at a time when we see police brutality um more and more prevalent right it's good to also remind the world that black people are heroes that they exist that they um are the foundations of so many things um especially in the context of the u.s so yeah i think just even the timing of this movie is really important to to note i think it's going to be one of those um you know cinematic movies that hold the test of time or -hmm. hold up to the test of time yeah totally a black classic i mean i think like the hope for for i think non-black folks particularly folks of color um is that this kind of seriousness and attention will be paid to other cultures as well mm-hmm. uh, and that we can have like a latinx or an asian or pacific islander like element in the mcu and you know it doesn't always have to be a superhero necessarily but like that there is like like carefulness and attentiveness paid to the culture and not just like oh you know this person's asian so whatever you know right but i think it also comes with the fact that the director is a black man right like it, yeah. it has to come from the community so we need artists like we need mm-hmm. writers we need folks who can write these stories because they are living these things Mm-hmm. They're living from that experience, you know? And I think now more than ever, like, we need artists and we need writers and we need storytellers um, of these communities to come forward and be like, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's mm-hmm. with this big, huge platform corporation or not. Like, I just want to tell mm-hmm. these stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also think about, yeah. um, like, the fact that the the well i guess i don't know like i i read a lot of or i heard a lot of stuff about stan lee being one of the main or big people that were like fighting for this movie to happen so that's like really cool like for even like privileged folks to like kind of advocate and like fight for stuff and then ending up like this movie being such a big thing for people so uh Mm -hmm. I'm gonna take a break. There's like a lot of there's a lot of sides and a lot of ways that we can get cool stuff like this to keep happening if we all just like keep fighting for each other. You know what I'm saying? Totally. So we, we talked through the intro of Killmonger, but we we uh, we had Killmonger um, introduced into the film for the first time um, in the museum scene talking about the artifacts in the display. And now Claw is um, gunning folks down. <laughs> um, and Killmonger and Claw are trying to figure out what their next steps are in this uh, uh, museum. Who's this break. character? The one with Which the phone? One? The one who poisoned the coffee? 
this one? Wait, which one? The the I don't know her name. Oh, I don't know. I think that's just like one of the people that's working with Killmonger. Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah. That's Killmonger's uh, accomplice, and then spoiler, he he shoots her. Magic. <laughs> or not? Keep watching to find out. <laughs> if you haven't, if you haven't seen the movie already, this is probably not the best way to experience it for the first time. <laughs> Killmonger's fit is so cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, in some ways, Killmonger, low-key hero of the film, right? Like, yeah, like he's a villain, villain, but also like you get what his thing is. Yeah, right, there's no like black and white, you know. Right. Yeah. Even though, like, you can you can also argue that he sees the world in black and white, but I feel like. He doesn't hold up to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he sees the world in black and white, but, but he forces you to pick a side that, like, and he makes it hard for you. Yeah. Yeah. They're gonna drain the um, the uh, lagoon. No, the waterfall. Whatever it is, the water thing. <laughs> the water feature. <laughs> Me, I understand that this is supposed to be like a sacred ground where all the Black Panthers through history like fight and like you know come into being or whatever. But I'm like, if it took like a whole army at, to like drain this water, like how did y'all find this place to begin with? <laughs> <laughs> and is this the best grounds to really have this fight? You yeah, know, it's perfect. It means it means that you need everybody to come out for this. You know, they can't just do it with no one. Right, but like you had to use like a whole army and then like this tech to drain the water. I'm just like, is this the best way? Totally. If only because Forrest Whitaker said so. <laughs> right. <laughs> like this, this goes with my robes. This is the aesthetics that we want. This is where we're fighting. Okay. <laughs> I mean, at this point, we're just watching the movie. Yeah. So this is a uh, this is a common plot point in in like kind of fantasy adventure stories where uh, somebody has to fight for the right of rule. Um. Don't, I don't know how common this is anymore nowadays, but um, probably could have used it in 2016 for the president. 
I now offer a pass to the throne. The merchant scribe will not challenge today. For the tribe will not challenge the river tribe will not challenge today. The mining tribe will not challenge today. Is there any member of a royal blood who wishes to challenge? Yo, Missouri being uh, Black Panther would be cool, though. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sure, you really should be. Well, so in the MCU, um, there was a period of time when um, Iron Man was succeeded by succeeded by a um, a teenage black girl, um, oh, and yeah. it was called uh, she was called Ironheart. Um, she wasn't African; she was, you know, American. Um, but. Um, Shuri would be an amazing Iron Man. Yeah, honestly, she already halfway there. Yeah. Apparently, she's smarter than Tony Stark. So. Yeah, I believe it. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny's like, yeah, duh. <laughs> she got vibranium. Right. Mm -hmm. Don't be mean to her. Protect her. Of the Jabari, which I <laughs> He's like, we. I know who you are. Let's just go. <laughs> <laughs> also, Hanuman is a Hindu god. So when I saw that the first time, I was like, "What? That's so cool!" Oh, yeah. <laughs> Right, the Doran Bilage. That's what they're called. Thank you, movie. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right, Sharon. I don't know if I'd be okay with fighting on a waterfall. Right. Like, hey, can we have an no. arena or something with like clearly defined borders so I don't like die? I think right. I mean, like you there. could lose a fight and then you could also die. Like, there's there's a difference. Yeah, you gotta want it. <laughs> oh. I mean, what I'm learning is that Mbaku wants it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he already said we will not have it. Right. So. <laughs> All right, let's move this to the arena. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, and they got the swords out. 
<laughs> Very it's a uh, hug. Bias oh, it's a painful hug. No. Ah. Yeah, Angela Bassett. <laughs> Cheer on your Oh. Oh. <gasps> Ooh. Ah, ugh. Or nor. So, one thing I do really appreciate about this combat is that um, I don't, I'm not super familiar with like African combat, but I do appreciate that it doesn't look like United States combat and it doesn't look like Asian combat, which I think would be the two easy defaults. Mm. Um, I appreciate that the way that they're fighting doesn't look like other combat in other movies. Oh, yeah. See, like, he could accidentally fall right here. Yeah, how does he not fall? It's so slippery. (laughs) He's just hanging off the edge. (laughs) This is why a waterfall's no good. Also, that body paint didn't come off. What did they use? I hope those are fake panther teeth because that's rude. And that's the end of the movie. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. That was great. (laughs) Kenny's like, that's it. That's all I watch. I'm good. Wait, there's more? (laughs) (laughs) So we have here the special purple flower. That uh, uh, both uh, restores the power of the Black Panther and gives him, uh, yep, there it is, the ancestral plane. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit of Lion King. Like when Simba sees Mufasa after Mufasa has died. So these are all scenes from Captain America Civil War, the previous film, where uh, the first time we meet T'Challa and uh, 
T'Chaka, and T'Chaka dies. I feel like being buried in sand is low-key terrifying. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the way his clothes are still clean. Mm -hmm. I mean, the costume design in this movie is on point. Wait, panthers live in trees, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they, they, uh, I don't know if they live in trees, but they can definitely hunt from trees, I think. Right, because I thought panthers only, like, stayed in trees when they, like, bring their prey up to the trees to eat. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I wish this was a real thing, so you could meet with your, like, elders. Mm-hmm. So this idea of an ancestral plane where we have connection to our ancestors and connections to our history, this is not something that we commonly see in Western stories. Mm -hmm. um, I think in, in the United States, like folklore um, and English folklore too, there's a lot of like individualism and like people like needing to be a hero on their own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like they have to achieve it too by going outside of themselves instead of like going inside of themselves and connecting with their ancestors and their like history. Mm -hmm. So that's a foreshadow for the truths that we later learn about Chaka's decisions. And I think, I mean, it's an important storyline, right? Like the idea of like, can you really be a good person and be a good king, right? Mm -hmm. Like, or does leadership mean that you're going to have to make like morally dubious choices every now and then? Well, I mean, I think, you know, I think there's definitely different types of leadership, but I do think that in, in, uh, in the case of like a king, right, like the choice always has to be to be for the, like as many 
like your rulings have to be for everyone as much as possible mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. i mean obviously that doesn't like fit but i mean i also feel like in black panther we see like you know it's like you have to surround yourself with like good people so there's obviously like checks and balances within this kingdom mm -hmm. but i think i think also kind of one of the overarching storylines with killmonger and with mm -hmm. being a king um at the chaka's past is like is it necessary to sacrifice like a few people for the greater good of all people or are you required to bring everyone along all the time right i mean i think the goal should be to bring as many people with you as possible but the truth is like you're gonna lose some people along the way <laughs> mm -hmm. but i think like choice is really important mm -hmm. I mean, I think I think we're seeing that now with the whole like coronavirus stuff, right? Like, I see on the news and I see in social media, there's still people who, despite shelter in place edicts and despite like being told about the severity of the coronavirus, are still like, you know, going to parties and going to the beach and going shopping and stuff. And like, you know, part of it is like, do we like? like to what obligation do we owe people like that right like do we have to look out for them because they don't know what they're doing or they don't believe what they're doing is harmful or do we like cut them loose and let them go right right but i think it's also like the language shouldn't be like oh you know you're like protect yourself wash your hands right it should be wash your hands because other people are depending on you to wash your hands Right, like I think we need to like really hone it in that like a virus or a disease or like doing something for the well-being of others is just as important as for you or for your loved ones, right? Because like I don't know, like beyond this virus, right? Mm -hmm. Like how often is the messaging that like you gotta do things for your community, right, or for right. people? Uh, don't ever give your word. So we see here the um, for the first time we see the uh, kind of vibranium mine slash technological center of Wakanda. I imagine this is where Shuri hangs out all the time. Oh, 
So that that handshake that Sherry and T'Challa do for a good time after watching this movie for the first time, that was probably my favorite moment because the 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 natural like it was so natural and it was so easy and the way Ryan Coogler made that feel it was like they had done that a thousand times before and just this idea of like this isn't just a world this is like a lived in world like these people exist you know Royal sandals, that's awesome. That'd be a shout out to Black Back to the Future 2, I believe. Where the uh, shoes, where Marty McFly's future shoes tie themselves after he puts them on. Just roasting her brother. I kind of like Iron Man with the bracelet. I imagine Sherry immediately uploaded that on TikTok. (laughs) Wait, was TikTok a thing when this movie came out? I mean, maybe, kind of. Nakia has clearly made uh, excursions out to South Korea in the past, built up a network. 
knows what's what. <laughs> I mean, interestingly, you know, not unlike the 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 um the uh ups and downs of the uh, history of Korean and black communities in the United States. I got into a business. Oh, it's been right here. It's been right here. On the east, 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 east. Yeah. Yes. That dude. Yep, the uh, token white person. Wait, what other movie, Marvel movie was he in? Marvel movie? I don't think he's been in another Marvel movie. He uh, played the Hobbit in the Hobbit. No, no, no. I know. I'm just trying to remember if he was in any other of the Marvel like movies. Oh, I don't think he was. Oh, okay. Sorry, that's my cat. <laughs> oh, we down him. What's happening over there? Is someone playing a video game on their end? A what? A video game? So here we are, about to have the big fight scene in the casino. Very kind of James Bondy, the way that this plays out. Actually, there you go. Your dog's in the sound cloud, Linky's dog. Oh, what the hell? I got down, boy. 
you think they're for you. Yeah. I'll give you a few reviews if I must say. Oh, here we go. Fight scene. Oh. Ow. On the wicked weapon, obviously. So here we have Okoye fighting with the spear. Again, very unlike other martial arts. I think uh, one can imagine that Okoye's usage of the spear might be a evolution of uh, the Zulu's warriors, the Zulu warriors with their spears. There's Claw's artificial arm. <laughs> Wait, so his suit just gets shredded in the process of him? Yeah, I guess. I mean, it, it uh, must, the nanites must be replacing something, right? They probably are skin tight, and anything that's mm. around, they probably are like just tearing through the suit in order to get to be skin tight. Dang. I see a shortcut. As Jazz is saying, this soundtrack is pretty dope. Yeah. I'm not going to make it. Keep going. 
So I think like, I mean, what you were saying before, Sharon, about the director, this is Brian Coogler's film. He um, also directed Creed, the Creed series. Um, Honestly, I feel like that's, and he's really shown that's that he's something able that could to, be I mean, real one day, like having somebody else that. drive it from somewhere um, And I think between Creed and Black Panther, he's really shown that like he can take franchise movies and make them like unique and like better, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there's something about Black Panther where the action and the fighting style and the different like technological innovations are like totally unique. And yet, it still fits the MCU, you know? Right. Hey, look at your suit. You've been taking bullets, charging it up with kinetic energy. Like, I think um, Shiri's, like, living sand computer interface is an example of that, where it's, like, you don't see any other franchise movie in the MCU with that kind of, like, living sand, like, 3D computer interface. Which mm, is really cool. True. Yeah, it's mostly, like, digital. Yeah. It goes into a clutch. Calm down. (laughs) (laughs) So, are so for folks on the uh, pod, like. Are, do y'all normally watch like action type movies or like action adventure movies? I almost never watch them. No. Yeah, I almost never do. So it's kind of like refre- like fun to watch one because I never watch it. So it's just like, wow, I forgot this is very action. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like watching them a lot. Depends on what kind of action movie it is. I mostly like watching like superhero ones. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts? Action movies? Sorry, I'm so focused on the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we might have lost Kenny somewhere along the way. I was just gonna ask if Kenny was still there. <laughs> yeah, it says recording in progress, but maybe they went to the bathroom or something. Yeah. So yeah, just for folks who are listening, if anyone's listening, um, we are recording this in our own rooms because of uh, the uh, shelter-in-place stuff. So. This is a, we're not sitting together on this one. 
<laughs> so this is a big mess. I figured you could go with Who's this guy again? He's a CIA agent. Uh, so he's a the CIA agent. had uh, were doing an operation to try to capture Klaus. Or... So, uh, the evocation of El Dorado, uh, the city of gold that was looked for in South America um, by uh, conquistadors throughout history. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's still using the language of, of Western colonization, right? And uh, that Claw is fashioning himself as, as a colonizer in this conversation. Hmm. You know, he's uh, very much like a Columbus figure or a Cortez figure who discovered what they consider treasure and then took a piece of it back to prove to other people that it was there. Claus also the personification. Oh yeah, yeah. Who is that? Okay, Kenny. Oh hey, you're back, Kenny. Okay, cool. Um, welcome back. 
I don't know what happened, but okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I was going to say, so Claw's also kind of the personification of what's what would happen if the outside world learned about Wakanda, right? So, like, he's, like, kind of the justification still of why it's important to keep Wakanda a secret, um, even if mm. even if Agent Ross doesn't agree with it. Um, Claw shows that there was one white person in Wakanda in its history, and they immediately tried to exploit it. And here we have Killmonger coming back onto the scene, wreaking havoc. Jumping on a grenade, similar to Captain America's self-sacrifice. Um, I mean, it didn't kill Cap either, but you know, <laughs> jumping, jumping on a grenade means something in the MCU. Yeah. That's the royal signet ring that he sees. He just jumped in front of me. Oh no. Is that sanitized? It's Wakanda. They're beyond sanitation. <laughs> like, Wakanda's thriving during coronavirus. <laughs> They're like, boop, they we got a bubble. <laughs> we, we social distance from the world. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Our mission is to bring So here we have uh, T'Challa with one of his first big royal dilemmas does he try to save the life of agent ross or does he protect wakanda's secret to the world which you know is his duty as a king to protect wakanda oh as she just says and it's at this moment where you as a viewer start to wonder does this is this a choice that T'Chaka would have made, and would T'Chaka have saved Agent Ross's life or let him die? Instant MRI. Also, that ramp is very accessible. Yes. The same. Oh, and here's here's where we uh, start seeing the 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 division between Wakabi and T'Challa. With you, I thought it'd be different. I'm gonna need you to get out. <laughs> <laughs> I actually haven't seen that movie. Oh, really? Yeah, maybe, I, I, maybe we so should you, do a Get Out uh, no. movie. <laughs> That's fine. 
that would be well, cool. So the earlier you had asked, like, oh, like who else watches like action movies? Mm-hmm. Um, love action, love mystery. Can do a little bit of gore if it's like funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but like straight up like thriller horror movies can't do it. Yeah. I feel kind of the same way. I hate horror movies. It took me forever to watch Get Out because I thought, like, it, I eventually was fine with it, but it, it took me, like, 68 months after it came out before I was finally, like, I'll watch it. Oh. So, uh, not... Probably not the reason he shot her, but he definitely shot her after she used his government name. Oh. Sorry, Eric. Oh, now you die. So you gotta you gotta imagine that that uh, mark was probably a prisoner's mark, or or an exile mark, after he was probably caught exploiting Wakanda. Oh, and we have there the royal brand, or the um not royal but the Wakandan brand. I forgot. What is his relation again to? Is he part of the royal family? Yeah, so T'Chaka's brother was sent to the uh, as an as an outside ambassador, I think, to learn more about the outside world. That was oh. the 1992 scene. So then, oh. and then um, he he um, right, his uncle Njobu, and uh, Njobu got got left behind. So we're gonna learn the story here, but Njobu gets left behind for whatever reason. I forgot what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was because he was. Um, Either he was advocating for Wakanda to get involved in, at the time, the civil rights movement in 1982, or whatever. So he was, T'Chaka left him behind. And so. That's why he's uh, pissed. Well, Eric Killmonger is uh, Njobu's son. So so he's um, T'Challa's cousin. Okay. Yeah. Like first cousin, because their yeah. dads were brothers. Yeah. I promised the king to say not. I am no king now. Oh, power move. <laughs> so this is uh, T'Challa trying to figure out the mystery of the ring he saw Killmonger have on his necklace. Your father placed me there to observe. I'm lords to you. Oh, there we go. Your uncle. Your uncle fell in love with an American woman. They had a child. A hut over there. Recognized your uncle. Yeah. So this is him advocating for uh, Wakanda to step in. That 
from his observation, black Americans were getting killed and were getting um, discriminated against and uh, uh, against the United States. Kenny and I had very different reactions to that scene. <laughs> hey, you know, he messed with the wrong one. Yeah. So that was the end of Njogu. He didn't have to kill him, though. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Well, he was a traitor, think, and then he tried to kill somebody. Yeah. And part of this is also, like, is did is T'Chaka a good king? Right. And back to his statement in the first Ancestral Plane scene, that a good man can't be a good king. Because mm. I think from T'Chaka's perspective, Njobu had already sold Vibranium out of Wakanda to Claw. And if he leaves him alive, who knows what Njobu could do with the knowledge he has of Wakanda. Delivering Claw's body. Which automatically endures him to Wakabi. Because remember, Wakabi's dad was killed by Claw. I don't know why he thought he'd feel blood. He's wearing a shirt. <laughs> also a very different shirt from what he got shot in. Yes. I'd imagine <laughs> that's the version of Wakanda's hospital robes. <laughs> don't scare me like that, colonizer. <laughs> 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 no, it's 
So this Afrofuturism is an inversion on the idea of um, on the idea of Africa being a spiritual, magical land, right? Like I think in Western contexts, we see Africa much like we see Asia as like mystical and magical, and like you talk to the spirits and you talk to the gods, and like things happen. And here with the Afrofuturism story. Like Sherry says, no, it's not magic. This is technology. Like we're just really <laughs> far ahead from you. That's, that's magnetic levitation. Obviously. And here, Shuri can't help but show off how smart she is. So here T'Challa is uh, reconciling his uh, kind of idolization of his father and the reality of what he just learned. I think this like this scene is so like I mean I watched this movie a couple times afterwards and I think the scene is just like really interesting to watch because historically in the U.S. Um, Black children, their relationship with their fathers are, you know, uh, statistically, like, not existent, right? Um, for some folks, not for everyone. And there's so much research saying, like, around, like, oh, why, why is that? And obviously, the answer is, like, racism and the exploits of um, Black men um at higher rates being discriminated against and ending up in the um in the uh you know prison complex industrial prison complex mm -hmm. um and so i think it's very interesting to then show you know a man you know struggling with the fact of like his relationship with his father and who he thought his father was you mm -hmm. know isn't true um mm -hmm. Because that might also be like what kids feel, right? Mm -hmm. And to see that example as a kid, you know, I think that's really cool. Um, but it's also like it, every single time I watch that, you know, I think about like our relationship with our parents in general and how, you know, sometimes our parents just, we idolize them and sometimes we don't, right? Sometimes we know the truth about our, our parents and sometimes like 
we have these images of our parents regardless of what we know is true or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, for T'Chaka, like we also, although T'Challa is our entrance point as viewers, I think we're also asked to think about T'Chaka and how difficult it must have been for him to be a king and a father and, you know, have all these expectations put on him and how, you know, he sometimes feel like, feels like he's stuck between two bad choices, you know. So this is this becomes Killmonger's main main point throughout the movie is to ask to what to what debt does do Wakandans owe Africans around the world and to what the Africans owe Wakanda around the world, right? So to what extent are they one community and to what extent are they separate communities? And I think it's significant to also think of Wakanda not as its own unique nation, but that it is five tribes that come together, right? So like it's already a council. Also, kind of talks about the diaspora of Black people and like how there's kind of a divide between like Black Americans and like Africans, and like how um, there's always kind of like a competition or uh, like a superiority between the two in whatever way. Mm-hmm. Especially from Killmonger's perspective, where Wakanda has all the resources to mm-hmm. elevate Africans from around the world. But then they choose not to. But they choose not to. And here we go again, having this fight on this waterfall. You'll never be Tatara. Should have just come to the first challenge that got me to come. And I think it's it's uh, significant that Killmonger's first thing is he takes the weapon that he was given and immediately changes it right mm-hmm. like he's fighting on his own terms throughout this whole thing and he doesn't necessarily understand the rituals or the customs but he still feels connected right to this culture in some way right Where is Agent Ross? He's not coming in the office. He's not going anywhere. 
This is your last chance. Throw down your weapons. You can handle this another way. I lived my entire life waiting for this moment. I trained, I lied, I killed just to give you this. Killed in America, mm. Afghanistan, Iraq. I took life from my own brothers and sisters right here on this continent. And all this death, just so I could kill you. And so we finally we finally see as an audience just how dangerous Killmonger is, right? And when he takes off that shirt for the first time, he realized that he he has a record of killing hundreds, if not thousands, of people in his life. The fighting styles are so different. I mean, earlier, Chris, you pointed out the fighting style. Mm -hmm. um, and then this scene, you could totally see the difference. Yeah. Totally. And understanding that, uh, that uh, Killmonger has trained throughout the world in different areas and different organizations and been part of, you know, black ops teams and been part of like criminal syndicates. So, he doesn't fight with any elegance. He just fights to win. Oh. Yeah, that sucks. What? <laughs> See that you get sloppy when you get in your fields. Mm -hmm. no. I'm in my fields. Yeah. Uh. See, no waterfalls, man. Nah, I'm your king. 
So we have here essentially a coup by Killmonger, who not only seemingly has killed T'Challa, but also Zuri, who represents kind of the institutional memory of the royalty in Wakanda. You can also see like the the dichotomy of these two like leading strong women as well and like how their values and their principles like guide them but it also like is the cause of their struggles too mm. Mm. which like is was set up earlier right because nakia um was already kind of breaking traditions in the beginning of the film when t'challa has to go find her and the ironic part is that her personal stance is much closer to Killmonger's than than Okoye, who, because yeah. she, she believes that Wakanda should do something for the rest of the world. So what's what's interesting about both T'Challa and Killmonger is that they both return to the moment their dads died in in the sand. And they're both holding them the same way. Yeah. And they're both what? 
they were both holding them the same way like uh mm. yeah that's true I always found it interesting that he what he entered this like as like his current self, but then when he starts talking to his father, he becomes that little kid again. then he's crying in his current self as his kid self he wasn't so much this uh story of displacement from home is also very resonant right mm -hmm. this idea of a generation who grows up never having gone back to the place that their parents lived and grew up in When I tell you to do something, I'll be doing Burn it all. I mean, this is so just, this is what the U.S. military does, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? It's a tactic mm -hmm. of, of war. That was my exact thought. I was just thinking about how we, like, killed all of the buffaloes mm -hmm. when we colonized the United States. Mm-hmm. I mean, Killmonger is very much following kind of an imperialist guidebook, right? Of like showing up to a place, taking over the leadership, destroying connections to the past. Black folks started up 
I love that he's like asking these questions, right? Like, mm-hmm. we got spies already in place. They're not coming to suspect you. They're going to use the wrong shells to kill you. We're going to begin by bringing weapons after our war zone. They'll arm oppressed people all over the world. What are war dogs? They're the people that were sent out into the world. I don't know if they ever explained what war dogs are supposed to have been doing, but they're like the embedded, like Wakandan folks who are in other countries. Mm. Oh, like his father was one. Yeah. It's interesting seeing the conflict between Okoye and um, what was his character's name? Wakabi. Yes. Yeah, and if you kind of think about um, the Black Panther Party, mm-hmm. um, also like militarizing, you know, arming the oppressed. Um, there's also like some folks who didn't really agree with like the violence, but were more like trying to go for like self defense. So you can kind of see like through those characters, like that mentality too, mm-hmm. or like both sides. And I think for the Black Panther Party, at least historically, um, there were gender splits in that group, right? And I think um, there were conflicts between the men and the women in the Black Panther Party about how um, how freedom a revolution should look. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is, you know, in, in this movie, you know, in the moment that T'Challa falls, you can't help but notice that the the ones who rally i mean aside from agent ross who's just kind of pulled in but the the ones who rally like and choose to rally are the women yeah like they're just they're going on this whole journey out into the mountains right now mm-hmm. also very fitting that this movie it does take place in oakland which is um where the black panthers originated mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My son, what manner of riches have you come? Not fair. Yes, but it's less than murder than you think. Do not rub our noses in silence. The- I love I love this moment. This is uh, apparently this was improvised on the set the day of. I love this moment because uh, he just he refuses. He's like, I'm not going to let you mansplain this. I'm not going to let you white explain this. You're not involved. Like you're here, but you don't get a right to speak. Hello, <laughs> goofy. <laughs> If y'all have seen us too, um, 
it's interesting seeing him act in this movie and then him act as like <laughs> a dad in the yeah. other movie and I watched an interview where he talked about like the differences between these two roles and they're like almost complete opposites because he's super like lazy and like chill laid back in the other movie mm-hmm. and in this one he's very strong character but both of them are still really goofy mm-hmm. They literally put him on ice. So here we have the reconciliation between T'Challa and T'Chaka and the decisions that were made. I mean, you know, just to play T'Challa advocate, um, like you know, I think part of part of the thinking is that you know when 
when Wakandans first learned how to harvest and mine and really utilize vibranium, like they were ahead of the modern world. And, you know, what sort of impact would they have had if they had stepped in during the African slave trade, you know, and just said like, oh, we're going to protect this continent and expel the people who are exploiting our people, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think like all the, like his father and all the kings previous, right? Like had their own reasons too. Mm -hmm. And like, they can't go back now, they're dead. But like, you know, like we also see how power does corrupt. And, you know, there's literally characters in this movie who want to take advantage of their resources. Shuri MVP. <laughs> you know. I mean, I don't know why you put the blanket back on. It's just gonna get shredded. Right. We saw that happen to the expensive suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mabaku is like the best comedic timing. Like he, yeah, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I owe you a great life for a life. Right. He's like, no, I'm done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think this goes back to what Kenny was talking about, about like how even within the African like communities, like there's divides. Mm-hmm. This part's like really, you know, I mean, we see like when the big fight comes, like how folks show up. Mm-hmm. It's like now more than ever, like how are people going to show up for each other? Strike there first. The others will come around. Look at this. 
handheld Sonic cannon. I don't come up with Sonic tank. Trace my metal detector. But we got thousands of them. The world's been popular. Oh. I mean, not. <laughs> I love that Killmonger's like, no more shirts for me. <laughs> he knows. He's like, if I ever have to turn the suit on, my shirt's screwed. Right. He's like, I'm on a budget. <laughs> it kind of is like Lion King. Like, they all thought, like, he was dead and he comes back. And they're like, He's back. Back to not knowing the culture. It's like, uh, what's up? All that challenge shit is over with. I'm the king now. Get those planes in the air. Carry out the mission. What kind of plane falls backwards? See, first? these what? people were just traitors to begin with. They could have been like, you know what? Let's see how this plays out first. But no, they're right. Okay. Yeah. You said get the planes up. We'll get the planes up. It's like, come on now. They ain't real. Yeah. The challenge is not complete. This will we do. Traitors. They were supposed to be best friends. Yeah, but we knew this already. They, I know. They had such a rift already. Oh, there goes his jacket. He's like, climb. <laughs> He's like, bye, y'all. <laughs> oh, oh, rude. Ah. Uh oh. Uh oh. He's gonna blow the horn? Oh no. I'll do it. Jacked. Wow. War rhinos. <laughs> she fights so hard to to not 
fall into the paradigms of, you know, mm-hmm. fitting into this, these communities because she wants to create her own path. She wants to like, you know, follow her values. And yet everything keeps forcing her back <laughs> into. Yeah. Yeah. Why doesn't everyone just have one of those? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a Sherry exclusive. Remote piloting system activated. You'll never be a true king. So here we go. It's uh, T'Challa against Killmonger. Falling down the shaft. The panther seats. Although I think Killmonger suit is probably a little more leopardish than Panther. Right, that was one of the original designs, and there he—I mean, he was like, "Oh, it needs to be like more low key." Yeah. 
That was the one he turned down, the Sharia. Yeah. So this idea of vengeance, right? And uh, revenge. Are you alright? I'm okay. You? Yes. Let's go. Just rub some dirt in it. Wait. one of them mature on my tail. Oh, that's Trevor Noah's voice. How long have I got? Love's integrity is at fifty percent. Let me back in. Dude, that's how you show up as an ally. <laughs> yes. I don't think this relationship is going to last. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Mbaku's better looking anyway. <laughs> thick boy. <laughs> and he's funny. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Did we just ship people? Is that what we just did? <laughs> so as we're getting here to the climax of this fight and, and almost to the end of the film, how do folks feel about the two philosophies that Killmonger and uh, Black Panther kind of embody throughout the film? Like... To what extent do we owe protecting folks that we don't know but are part of our our community? And to what extent do we owe ourselves our own safety and protection? Oh, I don't know. I'm kind of like torn between the two. Um, I kind of feel like, yeah, they should have helped them out. I feel like it would have been cool. A lot of things would have been better if Wakandans would have helped uh, the other black people out. But I also get why they decided not to because like we see with Claw, like they let one person in and they try to exploit them. And like, you don't really know who would be on that same, uh, that same mindset, white or black or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. um, 
But yeah, it's definitely one of those movies where like you really can't get mad at um, either character. Mm-hmm. I guess it's a, a a discussion of like how radical you gotta be. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I definitely see. think like um, you know, Killmonger like. I get like his story and everything and like but I think he's also coming from like revenge like if he has that power he will he he is doing you know like there should be an extent to help like your communities but also mm-hmm. like what Kenny was saying it's like you know you're also I see why on their other side they don't want to risk it because of what's happened in the past and what could happen you know, that's kind of like indigenous people protecting themselves and not wanting to, like, you know, like, you know, be colonized and everything and, like, mm-hmm. you know, and ha- staying with their, like, traditional ways. But um, I see, I think there's just, he has a lot of anger. Like, there could be a good way to, like, um, like do that, but not... I feel like he would just bring destruction to both sides, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think we could certainly be critical of the methodology, perhaps, which, you know, folks kind of leaned into when talking about, like, like just, like, a cliche Martin versus Malcolm kind of discussion. Oh, yeah. But, But at the same time, like, you know, I think there that a lot of the anger is very like real and justified you know mm-hmm. yeah like imagine if yeah. you were part of a community that got colonized and then you later learned that there was somebody else who was like not really part of your community but shared the same like diaspora who like technically had the power to free you but because they were afraid of like getting conquered they just didn't you know yeah and the fact that he was just left behind overall and he doesn't know his people's ways so it's just like but i like how you know like um at least he he talks to his dad and he realizes like hey that was fucked up you shouldn't have left him you know like at least he's not going by his dad's all of his dad's ideology like of that you know mm-hmm. like he's acknowledging like the wrongs that have happened to mm-hmm. Yeah. And I see, I think we see here when Killmonger realizes that he's lost this fight permanently, that he uh, is in a lot of pain and in a lot of trauma. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that's the other thing I was going to say. Like, Killmonger, he comes from a place of, like, you know, he lived in America, he lived in Oakland, you know. And, like, he's, like, seen how, like, all that trauma and, like, he's gone through all that stuff. And, like, Wakandans, like, they're kind of disconnected from that. So they can't really understand how he might feel. So it might be easier for them to just say, like, no, nah, we're not going to help. Mm-hmm. I feel like if they kind of saw what uh, Killmonger actually went through and what he has seen, it definitely would have been different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the fact that Ryan Coogler, who made this film, also made Fruitvale Station. Mm. And, like, you know, you can imagine that 
like you know they shared a community like they maybe knew each other growing up or whatever you know and wasn't michael b jordan also in that movie he was also in that yeah he was yeah oh and then michael b jordan was also in creed so he's definitely like ryan coogler's like you know favorite actor or something but he does an amazing job he's so good All right, PMP. <laughs> I mean, even to the end, right? He was like, maybe we can save you, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that question, like, real, I mean, it's a fictional movie, but it's also, yeah. you know, like, if we really live in this world and there are communities who could save, you know, people around the world I think it doesn't have to be all or nothing I think there's times where people can step in and support and help however they can right Mm -hmm. and then there's other times where it's like you know right now these are the decisions I have to make Mm -hmm. I just think that like you know T'Challa's like I think you know the kings in the past like it was all or nothing, and yeah. and for me, I don't think it has to be all or nothing. Yeah, Hold on, I'll be right back. Okay, but but Killmonger, you know, he goes out with this attitude of like no compromises, you know. Right. And right. and I think from his perspective, I mean, to you know, kind of, you know, back him up a little bit, like he has seen a world in which every time there's a compromise, he's on the losing end. You know. Yeah. It's, it's like we compromise, and then like only one person really kind of gets screwed over, you know, which is the oppressed. Right. Also, I love that a superhero is thanking a Black woman for saving us all, because I'm like, yes! Yes. Yes. She li- she literally did save this entire yeah. like, nation. She's the MVP. Right. I mean, all the women are, right? Like, they're all badass. I love that. Yeah. Even Okoye, who originally, you know, went by her duty as a Dora Milaje, like, when shit hit the fan, was like, no, like, you're, like, like we we have a say in this, you know? Mm-hmm. So here we are back in Oakland. I think, um... I also love that there was the whole Oakland beginning and ending. Like, mm-hmm. it really like ties this Same. movie. Yeah. Yeah, full circle. Yeah, because like you watch a movie like Captain America or Iron Man, and they don't do the same. Like, there's a New York connection, but it's not the same. Like, you know, feeling. it's not. Yeah, it's not the same. Like, real world connection. Like, it feels like those movies don't exist in a little yeah. bit in real life, but this one really does. Yeah. Like you watch, you watch the first Avengers, and they have the Battle of New York, which they reference in all the other Avengers movies and stuff. And it's a big like, like center point for the MCU. But like nobody talks about like nine eleven, you know, or nobody <laughs> talks about, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, somebody should have been like, hey, yo, this reminds you of nine eleven, you know? Let's make this kind of connected to real world events. 
Yeah. Maybe that's a good idea. Right, especially because that's the difference between DC and Marvel, right? Marvel places these superheroes in the real world, mm-hmm. in the current context, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas DC, it's like in a fictional city. <laughs> yeah, every city's fictional on DC, right? You have Metropolis, yeah. you have Gotham, you have Atlantis, you have, you know, um, uh, the island of Themyscira. Like, even, like, Green Arrow is in Star City and, like, Flash is in Central City. Like, ain't nobody lives in, like, Chicago, you know? Right, right. Whereas Marvel is placed in New York and Oakland and Korea and, you know, like, the only place that's not real is Wakanda. But we don't know. (laughs) Yeah, and Wakanda is treated with so much respect in this movie. Okay, so we're we're here at the end. So... Final thoughts, y'all? How'd you feel? Dang. I loved it. Great. Same. Yeah. Bugatti spaceship. <laughs> yeah, I laughed at that line too. Bugatti spaceship. Yeah, the music was really good. All of like the art direction in the movie was was awesome. Mm-hmm. I thought it ended really well. Yeah. I mean, it makes me super excited to see what Black Panther 2 is going to be like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Is I mean, do we have a release date for that? I have no idea. I mean, the world okay. has turned upside down. Okay. True. True. <laughs> but it was on their list. You know, they were making a Black Panther two at some point because, like, oh yeah, they I have mean, to. Yeah, this is the top-grossing MCU film outside of an Avengers film. You know? Like, even if they didn't care about the themes, like, just money-wise, they have to, you know? Yeah. And then, thankfully, Ryan Coogler is, like, cares about the themes, you know? It wasn't just like, oh, this is a cash cow, you know? Yeah. True. I mean, he's coming back, from my understanding. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I really love this, like... The, even the art and the colors, like everything is so purposeful. Mm-hmm. It must have taken forever to make this movie. Like all the symbolic meetings and stuff like that and all that. What do you call it when you kind of like, um, like you know how you were referencing like Malcolm X and mm-hmm. um, the King? Like, I don't know yeah. what you would call that. Like a metaphor? Like- metaphors yeah yeah like just it's just really cool like that's what i really loved about this movie but also like the like woman who would be fighting like i feel like i don't see a lot of like you know powerful women who are like you know on the main like oh yeah like yeah yeah like the the king's main uh, security people were black women. They're just like they're fighting oh, hell down. I forgot about the intake. Oh shoot! What? I totally oh, forgot about the scene. Oh shoot! From the shutters. Oh, he, he, he's just announcing the existence of Wakanda and what it has to offer. What kind of nation of farmers have to work with? All these fits are so good. I know, right? <laughs> I know the scarf. I mean, this is a seismic shift in the MCU. You know, 
Mm-hmm. You said there's like, another movie coming out? Yeah, they they were planning on making Black Panther 2. But we don't know when. I, I don't know what is still being held to schedule at this point because of all the, you know, obviously they're not filming anything now. Yeah. So this was before Infinity Wars. Yes, but it was filmed after Infinity War. So Infinity War and Endgame were filmed together. And it was okay. filmed before Black Panther was filmed. So okay. the Russo brothers actually had to ask Ryan Coogler and um, you know Chadwick Boseman and Leticia Wright, like, you know, what um what would somebody say, you know, at this like for example, they were having that big rallying moment in Infinity War outside Wakanda. And they were mm-hmm. like, you know, before you all charge in, I feel like you should all cheer or something. And Chadwick Boseman's like, Well, what if we said Wakanda forever? And they're like, well, I don't, oh, sure. Yeah, go for it. Because, you know, because <laughs> Black Panther hadn't come out yet. And, but they, you know, right. they, were, they had the script and they were like, well, we say Wakanda forever all the time in that movie. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, totally. Go for it. You know? So they, they kind of filmed it a little bit out of order, which was interesting. Mm. But, um, yeah. Wait, at the very end um, of the movie, who's that guy that the sister is talking to? Oh, I was not paying attention. Let me go back. Is you mean like, just now? Yeah, if it's on two fourteen fifteen, um, she's like it's with these kids, and then there's this guy that pops up, and she's the sister is talking to him, but I don't remember who it is. Who that is? Oh, in in the Oakland scene? No, there's another scene after. That one, if you go towards, uh, you might see it. It might pop up on the preview, but there's like this white dude coming out of a little hut with a red robe. Oh, that's that's Bucky. Mm. Oh, you're you're like towards the end end. Yeah. yeah. Wait, who is that? Oh, that's right. Captain America's best friend. Oh. <laughs> Sure. Are we really saying best friend? <laughs> I mean, they were. Whoa, whoa. They were best friends. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They had that end credit scene too. Yeah, so final thoughts, y'all? Uh, definitely I like being able to like do commentary because like, I was able to like see other things that I hadn't seen before. Or actually think about different things, so that was cool. Like I didn't know Trevor Noah was in this. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, um, he was doing an interview with some one of the characters when they were, you know, doing their press conferences, um, and they came on the show on his show, and they were like, "Oh, you were in the movie too," and he's like, "Yeah, but like, no one knows that." Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And they were like, well, can you say even what you do? And he's like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think it's, I think it's, you know, when, when I was, cause I love watching interviews of like 
people because I love like biographies and like trying to understand people. And so knowing like how intentional this movie is, is something that's like, like, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. Right. Um, Same. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's what makes it like such a cultural, like touch point. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say the only time we've ever seen something like this is with European culture. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But like, I don't connect to that. Right. Right. You know, so I think that's what I, I think. Right. When I say like something that I can like see and but like, even though it's not my culture, like it's not, it's not something so far off right. either. It's not, it's not like another Robin Hood movie or something. Right. Like I don't need another Three Musketeers, you know? Like- yeah. I also feel like the nature of the story is just like way more um, like I, I connect to it way more. Cause it's a lot like we were talking about, it's like a real life, like story about colonization and like, your ancestors and like perseverance versus like three musketeers <laughs> like the connection to that like or just trying to like really watch that movie and like think critically about it is like yeah completely different experience yeah that, that was um definitely like my favorite part of the movie is just this the scope of which it expanded and like how um it highlighted like black narratives and stuff and kennedy was talking about like them um blacks here in America and their experience and how it differs from those who are in Africa. Um, and really this was like kind of an avenue bouncing off like jazz, what jazz was saying in the beginning for like artists to kind of like reach a new, newer audience. There's like, there's definitely like a renewed, like focus on how these stories are being told, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, uh, it definitely goes a long way for of showing that like fantasy and sci-fi and superhero movies don't have to be done through a European lens. Yeah. Right? And they're actually better if you don't. <laughs> right. Right. It's just I mean that was that Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. Yeah. I mean that was the remarkable part of the the box office, right? It's like you know, like people came out for this film. Mm-hmm and uh, saw it multiple times and like brought their families and like, you know, I know that it was like a huge cultural touchstone, like schools went together and like, you know, like community groups went together and like churches went together and like stuff like that. It was such a huge like cultural moment. Yeah. I mean, we went and saw it as a, um, as a staff Mm -hmm. uh, with the, with the previous staff. Um, And and I I I mean it was first time. I thought we watched something. No, do wait. No, that wasn't you, Cheyenne. That was before. I was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, people were happy. People were happy. Center. Center. And I think the um. The African American Black Student Success Task Force went to see it, yeah. Um, and then, and then, like the Black um, uh, Student Union went to go see it as well. I think. I'm hearing all this third hand. I I didn't work at San Jose State at the time, but I remember hearing from like like Jamal took a student group. Like I think that was BSU, and like I heard other people went. Yeah.
So um, if there are no final thoughts, then thank you so much for sitting through this podcast with us, watching this movie with Mosaic. Um, this was awesome. Um, we will probably watch another one soon. We'll figure out what we want to watch uh, on our own, and we'll let you all know. But if you have any ideas, feel free to comment on our social media, on Instagram, on on Facebook, uh, email us, um, you know, uh, Zoom us, I guess, mm-hmm. what we're doing. Um, yeah, let us know if you have an idea or suggestion of a movie you want to watch. Yeah. Um, do folks want to say goodbye? It's okay. <laughs> uh, goodbye. That was so, that was so classic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Goodbye, y'all. Goodbye. Stay safe. Take care of yourselves. Wakanda Forever. Listen, listen carefully.